Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at c3calgarywest. So good. How are you all doing this morning, church? Excited to be here? I'm excited to be here, that's for sure. Um, So uh, Pops there, Pastor Lon, my father-in-law, between talking to me and the video, some things have changed there. He kind of told me just to preach on what I want to preach on today. Um, And so Thy Kingdom Come is awesome. It's going to be great when he kicks that off next week. Um, (laughs) And and today I'm speaking on, on spiritual growth. Which, of course, we know for in order for thy kingdom to come in our life, for us as a church to see heaven flow through us, we need to be growing. We need to be maturing. So there's my segue right there. To, to the, there's the link between thy kingdom come and what I'm speaking on today. But it's a great privilege to speak always. My wife, Brittany, and I uh, are the pastors of C3 East Village, downtown location. Um, and we actually, this just during the week here, celebrated our two-year birthday of being at church there. October 15th, 2017 is when the first service started. And, um, and yeah, and it's, it's awesome. That time flies when you're having fun. That's for sure. It's been great. But I'm speaking on, on growth today. I want to talk about our, our spiritual growth in our, in our own life. I want to highlight today um, what I believe to be one of the greatest stoppers of spiritual growth. I know in my life, but I think in many of our lives here as well. And then, of course, I don't want to just highlight the problem. I want to offer what I believe the Bible says is a great solution to overcoming that thing that might stop us from growing into seeing thy kingdom come and his will be done uh, through our lives. So um, as we know, uh, our security, the security of our salvation is in Jesus, Right? It's in Jesus alone. There's nothing that we can add to that. There's nothing that we can take from that. It's through faith and faith alone in Jesus, that he is who he said he was, and he, he did what he, it says he did. And that's how we are secure in our salvation. And if you've never met Jesus, um, we welcome you here today. At the end of the service, I'm going to offer an opportunity for you to, to make the most important decision you'll make, and that's to start a relationship with God Almighty, your creator. And we do that through Jesus. But um, many of us know that, that's just the beginning, right? That, that's kind of the end and the beginning, right? That's the, the beginning, the security of our salvation. But then we're called to a life of growth, of maturing, of, of spiritual giftings, of stepping in to those things that he's prepared beforehand for us, right? It doesn't just happen straight away. It's a process. Maybe it's just a process for me. Maybe everyone else has got it figured out today. But we're called to a life of growth. And I'm going to look in 1 Corinthians today. This is one of my favorite um, books in the Bible. The Apostle Paul was writing the letter to the Corinthian church, and he addresses so much in this. You know, he's talking about, um, to this community of believers, about uh, behavior and, and morality and, and addressing that they've got some issues going on, that they're actually meant to look a little bit different than the world in the way that they act as Christians. He, he talks about, um, addresses some specific things going on, talks about the body, that we're all part of the body, we're going to look at that today. He speaks about um, in worship and, and when they come to gather together, there's actually meant to be some structure. There's meant to be some order take place. Um, you know, that I love in the letter that Paul assumes that at this gathering of the church, of the community, 
gathering of Christians that there's going to be non-believers in their midst. I love that assumption. Sometimes we forget that. But so he's addressing that it's not just a free-for-all. Actually, there's meant to be some structure and order take place. It's not just about feeding you. It's actually about reaching out to others. Therefore, we need to put some structure and order in place. And there's so much freedom in Christ, but we got to, when we come together, um, we're actually got to know that there's people who might be at a different stage of their faith. Maybe it's their first time in a church, and it's not just about feeding ourselves. It's about feeding others. That's why Caitlin gets up at the start of the service today and says, we're going to go into worship, we're going to have uh, preaching. It's not for you if you've been here a hundred times, it's for those of you who maybe it's your first time today, we're trying to prepare a platform so that you feel safe and comfortable here because the church is meant to be inclusive. Rant over, hey, what, what happened there? Vicky and Michael, what did you put in the coffee this morning? I'm feeling a little bit different, it's like extra dark roast, it's great. But, um, so, but really, I want to focus on uh, chapter 12 and into 13 here today uh, as we look at one of the greatest stoppers to growth, but then one of the greatest ways to overcome it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, we'll start at verse 24. Paul says, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers... Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ. I love that. Can you say, I'm the body of Christ? And each one of you is a part of it. I love this. Let's stop there. The truth is that you are the body of Christ. You are it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are the body of Christ. You are the church. There isn't the church and you, you are it. You are the body. I am the body. We are the body. I'm saying you are the body. You, not the person next to you. You're the body. You're the church. You're the community of faith. We are, and we need each other to function properly and to complement each other in that functioning. We are meant for life together, for community and for connection. There isn't the church separate from you. You're it. You don't get a say in it if you're a follower of Christ. You are it. There isn't the church and you. You are a part of it. Sorry, not sorry. That's what the Bible tells us. And someone refusing to to be a part of the body actually doesn't stop you being a part of the body. It just makes you someone who's refusing to be the part that you're created to be. Right? If my hand all of a sudden stops working here, locks up, it's still a part of the body. It's just not doing what it's meant to do. That's the picture that Paul's painting here for us. Um, we don't have control over whether we are a part of the body, the church. If you're a follower of Christ, you're it. What we do have control over is are we going to be a encouraging, a joyful, a contributing, and efficient part of the body, or are we going to be a bitter, cynical part of the body that's trying to remove itself from the body? That's the choice we get. We don't actually get a choice of whether we're part of the church. You are it. And, uh, and I know that we all want to be a part that contributes and that is functioning in the way it's meant to function. Have you ever felt like you're not functioning how you're created to be? I think we've all gone through seasons of that. It's not a great feeling. It's like, man, I feel like I'm a, a knee, but I'm acting like a foot. It's like you just feel a little bit off. You're still in the body. Um, but the best way to actually find out and to um, and activate that part that God's created you to be 
is to start being something, not to try and remove yourself from the church. Well, I'm one of those Christians who doesn't want to be a part of the community of faith because they do stuff wrong and John's up there speaking about money again and how things cost stuff while I sit here with this nice warm building and this comfortable chair. Oh, I've got to settle down a little bit this morning. I've got to <laughs> calm down a bit maybe, but I'm fired up. I'm passionate because the worst thing for you and I is to, uh, to remove ourselves from the body, the community that we're created to function in. So then Paul goes on. It's this great picture. You should read it there of the body, but a very famous uh, Verse, many, many of us would have had read at our weddings maybe or we've heard um, in Corinthians 13, chapter, uh, yeah, sorry, chapter 13, verse 4, which to him was not chapter 13, verse 4. He was just continuing to write the part out of the body. We're the ones who put chapters in there, which is great. It helps us find places. But out of this picture of the body of the community, he goes into talking about love. And he says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Now, Paul's not saying that these things aren't, aren't good things. What he's speaking to is in the church at the time, there was a comparison game going on of spiritual giftings, which was the best one, what's the thing, and, and a really emphasis on that. And he's trying to draw the church back to unity, to the important things, which we're going to find out about here. Those things are important, but they have to be done in the context of a loving community. It says, love never fails. I'll read it again there from verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I love that passage of Scripture. I wanted to read the whole thing just because it's such a beautiful picture of, of the important things in community and relationship and in God of, of faith, hope, and love. But really I want to focus in there on, on verse 11, which we're going to kind of camp out on a bit I know that I naturally go to some of the other areas, but, but this is what I felt to speak on today. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. This is what I've observed in, in my own life, and maybe you can relate. Um, and we've been pastoring the location at East Village two years now. Um, I've been a Christian 17 years. Uh, and we now have a 90-month-old son as well, um, which is a cool thing. But what I've observed in my own life and in my family and my community is that the biggest stopper to my growth, to me stepping into that fulfilled life, that life that we all want to live, that shalom, peace, where we're feeling just in rhythm with God, it's not the family that we come from. It's not a lack of resources. It's not the church that we're a part of. It's not what's happened to us. It's not the worship leader. 
at our church. It's not the preacher, maybe today, but generally it's not the preacher that's the problem. It's not um, where I'm located in the world. These aren't the biggest stoppers in our life. It's not the type that I am on the Enneagram. It's not the whatever the personality types tells me. Type two, right here, wing three. But um, what the biggest stopper in my life and what I've observed in others is not these things, it's actually immaturity. Immaturity. Lack of growth, lack of maturing, lack of a willingness to learn and to work through things. It's immaturity. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I, I talked like a child, but I put childhood ways behind me. That's how we grow. The biggest stopper, I believe, and I've seen in my world, is immaturity from stepping into the destiny that God has for me. Yours and mine willingness to mature, to grow, to work through and develop through issues that arise in our life with God, with others, and, and really in any aspect of our life will determine how connected and fulfilled our life is. Does anyone remember um, going through growing pains? You know, when you were um, maturing as a younger person, maybe there's some younger people here today going through it. Wasn't it the worst where your bones would start to ache and you, it was painful, right? Growth was, was a little bit painful. Um, I remember I used to get in my legs so bad, growing pains, and I'd just be like, Mom, I can't go to school today. Let me stay home. And she's like, no, you're just going through growing pains. I'm still praying for one more. I'd like to be a little bit taller. So keep me in your prayers there. I'd love one more growth spurt, age 31. I'm still believing for it. Um, but, you know, it was a painful process. But then when you get on the other side of it, and all of a sudden you, you've matured and you've grown up a little bit, it was worth it, right? It was worth the pain. None of us would say we'd rather have stayed stuck at that state of maturation, of of the journey that we were on. It was worth going through the pain to grow physically. It's so funny how when that comes to our relationships, when that comes to our emotional life, our, our spiritual life, that we, we think that oh, all of a sudden I don't want to go through the process. I don't want to go through that uncomfortable factor, but it's exactly the same. Sometimes to grow, it takes a little bit of pain. Sometimes growth takes a little bit of being in an uncomfortable season but it's worth going through to, get on to, to grow into the person that God wants you to be. It's worth going through. That's my encouragement today that, that it's, uh, don't get stuck in a moment because it's uncomfortable, it's a little bit of pain in it, and there's a bit of awkwardness because that awkwardness of the growth pain will be what might just take you into your destiny. That's maturing. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childhood ways. That's what we're called to do as Christians, to put, a, put away childish ways. You know, living a life for Christ removes any entitlement or right that we may feel for selfishness and for immaturity. Just saying. Now, is that the reality? No, I know some of the biggest stoppers in my life is, is moments when I'm selfish, moments when I'm being immature, moments when I'm not willing to grow. Most of us are aware of the areas we need to grow in. It's a willingness to mature. So unlike the physical growth that we go through in life, 
our spiritual life and our emotional and relational things, we actually get to have a say and choice in, in how quickly we get to mature. Now, it's a process, of course, and God has us on a journey, but if we're not willing to step into that journey, then we won't get anywhere. We'll be stuck in a moment. But I don't believe that's C3 Church. I don't believe that's you. I believe we're all people who want to grow. We, we, want, we know that God has good things for us. So if we're feeling stuck, may I suggest today to have a quick litmus test in your life. It's a confronting thing to do. Is immaturity, is what's, sorry, is immaturity stopping me from going forward in this area in my life? That's the question. If you found yourself stuck in a moment, stuck in a relational issue, stuck in an attitude towards the church, stuck in an area at work, whatever it might be, would you ask yourself, is it immaturity that's stopping me from going forward? Is the way I'm talking like a child or an adult? Is the way I'm thinking childish? Am I being reasonable like an adult? Or am I reasoning like a child? Confronting questions, right? Very confronting for a Sunday morning. But it's actually a key to our spiritual growth, is putting away childish ways. And if we're not looking at what's immature in our life, at what's stopping us from going forward, then we won't grow. And I know that that's not you. You want to grow. You want to step into what God has for you. Side note, if you're getting upset or um, closed off uh, at me suggesting that um, immaturity might be an issue in your life, that is not a sign of maturity in this place. <laughs> so you can do that if you'd like, and that, that's your prerogative, but I encourage you to consider, are you being mature in that moment? Amen. There we go. <laughs> and guess what? I'd never get up here and suggest that some of us here are immature, and that's what's stopping you from growing forward. I hope you're not hearing that. I wouldn't get up and suggest that some of us are doing that. I'd suggest that all of us are doing that. All of us have areas of immaturity that we need to work through. Come on, church. We're bigger, we're better, and we can grow through it, and we can grow up into what God wants us to be as a church and as an individual. And Paul here is speaking to a church that loves God, but isn't functioning quite right as a community. They're doing some things, and he's saying, hey, hey, we can grow up out of love. In a context of community, of unity, we can grow and mature. So we're all being stopped in some area, in some way, by a little bit of childish thinking and behavior. Paul, the great apostle, the writer of 13 books of the New Testament, 14, um, if you, for Hebrews, if you consider that he offered that as well. He states in Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect. Great, Paul's saying he's not perfect. That's good, I'm glad. But I press on to take a hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have laid hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, all of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. And if you think differently about some issue, God will reveal this to you as well. You've got to love Paul. I love that. But Paul, the great apostle, author of a large portion of our, our Bibles, 
the one that we're searching today, he even says, hey, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm pushing on towards it. It doesn't matter if we're not there yet today or not. What matters is, are we willing to push on towards it? Are we willing to pursue it? Are we willing to go forward? We can all work through our immaturities. The question is, has God made you to be a victim or has he made you to be an overcomer? Has he made you able or unable? Has he made you mature or to be stuck in a moment? I think we know the answer to that. Jesus won the victory so that we can win the victories in our life as well, that we can overcome. I'm going to move on from this point very shortly, don't worry. But I have a 19-year-old son, um, like I told you guys, his name's Hewan. Uh, he's awesome. I love him. He's my best little mate. He's a legend. Uh, but he's tricked a lot of you guys, right? So on a Sunday morning, he's on his best behavior. And he's like, oh, he's so nice. He's so cute. But then when we take him home, man, the gloves are off. I tell you what, he can be a terror. But he's awesome. I love him a lot. And what's a, um, really funny to watch but can be frustrating is um, tantrums, right? Like, like a 19-month-old chucking a tantrum. And he's really good at that sometimes, you know, wherever he can't put the, the shape in the ball properly and he just gets a little frustrated and starts stamping his feet like that. I mean, I know he wouldn't do that on a Sunday morning, but at home he does that. Or, or whether it's when he's laying on the, um, laying on the, the floor at Superstore there because we wouldn't let him eat all of the grapes out of the bag before we got to the checkout, you know, those kind of tantrums. Wherever he's got, he's decided to put his snow boots on and he's in his diapers and he's just stomping around the house yelling because that was the fashion choice of the day and he wasn't going to let anyone tell him otherwise. It's awesome to watch kids be kids, right? It's awesome to watch toddlers be toddlers. It can, I just laugh sometimes and then I get really frustrated as well. But it's just so funny at, at the immaturity. But it's so amazing watching him learn and figuring out, okay, what's going to get a reaction? What's going to happen here? What's really cute is a 19-month-old acting like a 19-month-old. What's not so cute is if he grows up to a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, and he's still in diapers and snow boots, stomping around the house and laying on the floor, right? That wouldn't be so cute. Yeah, that wouldn't be cute, right? And what I have seen in my own life sometimes where I can fall into or I've observed in in church through my 17 years old, is that sometimes we have some where, uh, where we should be a lot more mature, but we're stuck in a moment of acting like a child and putting on our boots and stomping around because we didn't get things our way. I don't know if anyone's experienced that. What's cute is a baby acting like a baby, a child acting like a child. What's amazing is adults acting like adults. And that's what we're called into as a church. Okay, so now that I've labeled us all immature, I've suggested that we might be being a little bit childish, and maybe some of you don't quite like me as much as you did before. Now I'm going to actually offer the solution, and, and it's the solution that I've observed in my own life in C3 East Village, but really I believe it's uh, the way that the Bible tells us of one of the greatest ways that we can grow. Do you want to learn how we can grow today, that we can mature, that we can put ourselves in a healthy place, making sure that we're maturing? That's what we're going to look at here in the last 10 minutes. So my uh, idea before we jump into some more scriptures here, and like I said, Paul's talking about community and unity where we hear about this stuff in 1 Corinthians that he's saying. It's all taking place uh, in the context of relationship and community. And my premise and my idea is that true spiritual maturity can only take place in relationship and community. True maturity can only take place in relationship and maturity. 
So we're called to bring heaven to earth, um, the theme that thy kingdom come, that, uh, that Pastor Lauren's going to go into next week. It's about, about heaven coming to earth and that, that heaven has came to earth, but we get to be a part of that, I believe. We'll see what it's about. Um, but, but that's what we are called to do as Christians, but it's meant to be done collaboratively. New Testament Christianity is collaborative. It is. Like, show me somewhere where it's not. It is even when we get the, you know, the, um, the letter to the Corinthians, Paul's writing. He was actually writing with other people who were helping him out. You, he has a scribe there. It's collaborative. It's not just Paul. It's, you can imagine them almost in the setting of Paul's going for it, saying, write this to them. And, um, and the scribe, in, in whichever letter it might be, might say, oh, Paul, do you really want to say it that way? Maybe we need to... You know, that's a lot of truth, not much grace, like kind of thing. It's collaborative, right? The, the early church was together. It was doing things together. Solo Christianity isn't mature, is what I'm saying. We can mature in certain ways, but the only way we can get well-balanced maturity is in relationship with others. Spiritual gifts, so important, right? Our prayer life, amazing, and something we should work on. The reading of the Word and our evangelism, all these things are so important that we can work on, but really they're just ethereal. They're just sort of out there floating around until they're placed into the context of relationship and community. That's where maturity takes place. And that's what I believe God's calling us to continue to step into. Romans 12 verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Hebrews 10, 24 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some in, are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the, more as you, all the more as you see the day approaching. That's such an interesting term there, all the more. So actually, in our Christian life, in our walk, we're meant to be gathering and meeting and, and relational more and more up until we see the return of the Lord. But so often what we do is when we become a Christian for the first time, we're all in. We're all in. And then as life goes on, we slowly trickle away. But Paul's actually saying, all the more until you see the day of the Lord coming. Isn't that fascinating? Acts 2 verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love that. That hits me as a church planter, added to their number daily. When did we start thinking that it was just Christmas and Easter that the church was meant to grow? It's actually meant to be a continual growing process, added to their, um, day, their number daily those who were being saved. Because of why? Because they saw the love, they saw the community, they saw the generosity, and they saw the power of God moving in that community. That's why they grew. Psalm 133 133 verse 1, Behold, how good and pleasant is it when brothers dwell in unity. Galatians 6.2, Bear one another's burdens. It just goes on and on. The Bible talks about community, about relationship. So I think it's got something to say, and I think it's an important thing to, to pay attention to. So where's the problem in this? That the Bible says so much about our spiritual growth taking place in community. Does anyone know what the problem with that might be? Us, Yeah. People are awkward. Have you ever noticed that? People are awkward, like awkward. Like some of you guys who are very social, you're not as awkward as the rest of us, but we're all kind of a little awkward. Have you noticed? If you haven't noticed that, let me tell you today, you're a little bit awkward, and that's okay. You know, I went into um, socializing, and, and, and relationship can be awkward. I went into Safeway 
the other day just to get a few things, pick up a few things, and went to the counter, and so I'm having a social interaction, and I don't know if this has happened to you, maybe it's happened to someone else here. The guy behind the counter said to me, uh, any plans for the day? But I'd already determined in my head that he said, how are you doing today? So this is how the conversation took place, right? So I walk up to the counter, he says, any plans for the day? Good, thanks, how are you? <laughs> and straight away, we're off to an awkward start, and then like we covered it, recovered and laughed, but there was an awkwardness. Socializing is awkward. I don't know if you've realized that at all. Maybe you've been in a conversation, either the one speaking or on the receiving end where the person's talking or you're talking and it soon becomes apparent that the people in the conversation aren't hearing what you're saying quite like you thought you were saying it, but you've already committed to digging your awkward grave in that conversation. (laughs) That's the problem with community and relationship. It's a little bit awkward. It just gets awkward. I'm feeling a little awkward now. (laughs) But awkward situations are actually a huge part of our maturation and our growth path in community. You can't grow without a little bit of awkward, just like the awkward growing pains we go through, right? So my encouragement, and I'm urging all of us here today, embrace the awkward. Embrace the awkward in community. Embrace the awkwardness in people. We're a bunch of people who during our week have different uh, areas that we're in and work and school and um, maybe some of us are unemployed, maybe some of us have retired. We're doing different things and we come together in community. That's going to cause a little bit of awkward. And it's okay because we need the awkward to grow. I'm going to Australia uh, in a a week's time. I'm going to go to Tasmania and uh, visit um, some of my family and friends before Brittany and I go to a a conference there in Sydney. And um, this is what will happen. I'll get together with some of the people who have you know, I'm friends with in life that I've had many years of relationship with, and maybe 50% of our conversations will be talking about, do you remember that time that da-da-da happened? Do you remember that moment that so-and-so happened at Connect Group? Do you remember when that happened in church? Now, those moments in that time, they didn't seem very significant. Some of them seemed a little bit awkward. Maybe some of it was we were just banking hours, we were just spending time together. But when you add those times together, those moments of awkward, those moments of coming together for Connect Group and going away, going, gee, I'm not quite sure if we achieved anything tonight. When When you add all those together, what you get is a relationship built around trust and time together. You know, sometimes we gotta push through the awkwardness of of joining a group of coming to church, of meeting somebody, and continue to push through those awkward moments because in 10 years, 20 years' time, it's those awkward moments that your relationship will look back on fondly, you'll remember together, and will actually grow, grow you together. Embrace the awkwardness. i got to get racing along here as we close, close up. But I'm sure we've all experienced awkwardness and loneliness in a social setting. But God's actually calling us to be a stronger community all the more until the day of the Lord is what the Bible says. We're meant to be getting stronger as a community together and including other people and awkward situations are a huge part of that. Some of us here today, um, through no fault of our own, through experiences that happen to us or we've just something that's attacking us maybe from the enemy, have a, a large anxiety and fear towards social settings. 
Okay, and the picture I got actually of when we were leading in as I was preparing the message was of cars driving up to houses, driving up to church, and people sitting in those cars for 10, 15 minutes sometimes, just trying to muster up the courage inside you to step out and be a part of a social setting. And God's going to break that today in the name of Jesus. I believe there's healing in this place for that because Jesus came to set the captives free. And that's something that's actually um, capturing you and holding you back from stepping into community, from stepping into relationship and stepping into um, an ability to grow and mature. But I believe at the end of the service today, I believe God really wants to break some of you guys free from that. And uh, I'm excited about that. So that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not your fault that that's happened, but today you can walk away free as we break that off in the name of Jesus. But for others of us, so I will, I will call you forward here in a few minutes if that's you. And I believe that that social anxiety you have, that thing that's stopping you from stepping into the relationship with the people that God would have in your life is going to be healed today. Um, as I just fly through my notes and do some editing on the spot here. Um, for others of us, we're just being stubborn, immature, and we need to just stop acting like a child and dive into community. Amen. Awesome. There it is. So, um, so I'd encourage you to do that today. I'd encourage you to do that today. You know, loneliness is an epidemic in the world today. And I know I've experienced great bouts of loneliness myself. I've been in a room recently where with friends, with people that I love and, and care for, and they were all just cutting up, having a good time. And I, I was standing back. I just happened to not be in a conversa- conversation. And this great feeling of loneliness came over me. Has anyone experienced that? Like you're, there's no need, no reason, no, no, no need for it, right? My identity is in Christ, but we still all experience loneliness. And our world is suffering from a loneliness epidemic. The, uh, the UK in 2018, I believe it was, actually appointed in the government a minister for loneliness to combat the loneliness epidemic that, um, that people are experiencing these days. And here's, here's my idea as we finish. What if Christians could be the solution to that problem? What if the church could be solutions to that problem in the world? What if we could not fall into experiencing um, and dwelling in that area in our life that we all experience, but we can actually offer a solution and reach out to a lonely world? We can be a friend to people. But if we want to do that, we've got to be okay with the awkwardness because the awkwardness is what will lead to us establishing a great community in this place. Let me just quickly highlight some opportunities in this church uh, where you can get connected in. If you're feeling lonely in any way, uh, you want to, you know that you need to mature and grow in some way. And, and today you're saying, yeah, I'm not going to fall into victimhood thinking. I'm not going to fall into worldly thinking, but I'm going to step into community today. We offer groups here as a church. These are um, small groups of a variety of different kinds. Uh, and these are groups during the week or bi-weekly that, that meet in homes, in, in different areas and just do life together. Well, that doesn't sound too organic, does it? Well, how's organic working out for the world at the moment, right? Paul's talking about structure here, and this is a place that we're putting in place as a structure to facilitate organic relationships and doing life with people. So you can get to these by going to the website, mycitrychurch.ca, click on the groups tab. There'll be a list of 30 or so groups at the moment, and it's continuing to grow of different areas in the city that are meeting of, of different stages of life around different kinds of things. And I encourage you to check it out and see if there's a group for you. If there isn't a group for you, why don't you start a group? Why don't you be a solution to the problem? And as we continue to build our groups, we can continue to 
do this beautiful uh, unity, community, relational life that Paul speaks so, so amazingly about. We have daughters group here on a Thursday morning. Daughters group, sorry, man, this isn't for you. You might have got that from the name, daughters. This is um, a... This is 9.30 on a Thursday morning for any ladies who can make it out of different stages of life, whatever you are, whether you're single, married, kids, no kids, it doesn't really matter, and get together for food, uh, for fellowship, and also to do some breakaway groups and, and an opportunity to mature in different areas. And uh, my wife and, and many people I, I talk to just love that so much, they wouldn't miss it um, for the world. I know Thursday mornings, not everyone can make, but if you can make that, that'd be amazing. We have young adults events taking place here. Once a month, um, Young Adults Revive Night takes place with the youth, night of worship and um, the word here, but also a chance to connect as well as different fun events the young adults are doing. Find out more information about that. The youth meets here every Friday night. Um, Youth, come on out and family, send your youth along, a chance to get connected in in that early ages of stage. Teams. You know, what I've learned is joining a team, um, you get the best of all worlds there that you get to do something with people, which helps eliminate maybe some of that awkwardness because you're actually doing something together. And as you serve in the church and volunteer, be a part of a team, you're actually contributing to changing lives here at C3 Calgary and people who come in the doors, but you're also building relationship with people. You get to be a part of a team. There's join a team. These are opportunities for us to put ourselves in a, um, a place to mature. There's so many more, but they're the ones I wanted to highlight. And in closing, who are the people around you? Who are the people that God's placed around you? We all have neighbors. We all have work colleagues. We all have school friends who are feeling the exact same thing that we're feeling. Loneliness, not connected to community, just wanting somebody to notice them. The difference might be that as followers of Christ, as people filled with the Holy Spirit here today, you might be the only one that has your identity founded in Christ that you can muster up the courage and step across and reach out to somebody knowing that even if there's rejection, even if there's an awkwardness, you're okay because God's got you in His arms. He's standing right there with you saying, you can do this. You can step out. You can reach out to this person. Even if they, they reject you, even if they say, no, you have me. I'm with you. And that's what matters. You're connected with your Father. So who are the people around you? Here's a Stephen Flight tip in closing in, in reaching out to people. Something we've had to become better, like grow in ourselves, planting the church in East Village um, is is reaching out to people and to strangers, to meeting new people, or even people that we're slightly connected with, but you want to develop a relationship with. Here's the tip. It may not be the right thing. It's the flight thing, okay? This is what, that's a, a motto we have in my family. It may not be the right thing, but this is something that's worked for us, for Brittany and I. We've seen great fruit in making connections with our community. Acknowledge the awkwardness. Embrace the awkwardness. Don't try and cover it up. It only makes it more awkward. So when we meet new people in a cafe or even at church or whatever it is, you can even say, hey, this may seem a little awkward or a bit random. Would you like to go for coffee? Acknowledge it. We've found great fruit in that. This may seem random, but we've been living next door for a while now. Would you like to come over for dinner? What do you think of that? Hey, we say hi every Sunday morning, and I thought it might be neat to meet up sometime during the week in a different setting. How do you feel about that? Acknowledge it. Reach out. We can be those people i got to close off here. I was just, that was my intro, guys. That was the intro over. So we're going to close the service, but I want to close with this. The bounced spiritual maturity only takes place in community. We all want to mature, right? We all want to grow. 
and we do that in community. So um, if you could just close your eyes in this place, and I, I want to um, just have a moment to respond. I want to read Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. My question today is, are you putting yourself in a position to be sharpened and also to sharpen others? That's what we're called to do. If you're here today and you've maybe this is your first time in church or you've been coming a while, you've never actually started a relationship with God in this place. I've been talking about the importance of community and relationships in our life and in the natural. That's so true. But the most important relationship you can ever start is the one with your heavenly father. And he's knocking on your heart's door today. He wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to forgive you of the sins, the things that would separate us from God, to actually make a pathway for you to connect with Him simply by confessing faith in Jesus today. And I think today might be your day that you start the greatest relationship, and that's the one with the God who created you, the God who loves you, and the God who wants to be involved in your life. If you want to make that commitment today, um, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand up, give me a wave, and you can put it down. And I'll include you in a prayer. Uh, maybe you've made that prayer before. You, you've done that before, but you haven't been walking with God. You haven't been, you made that choice, but you kind of walked away and you want to make a rededication today. I'd love to include you in that prayer as well. You want to draw a line in the sand and say, God, I'm recommitting you today. Or if you just want assurance that of your salvation, that you, you know, you sometimes you leave, you've been in church all your life, but you're not quite sure that if something was to happen, you'd know that you're going to step into an eternity with Christ. I'd love to pray for you and today that you would know that you know that you know that you are saved, that you are going to be okay. So with eyes closed in this place, if that's you, can you just give me a wave? If you fall into any of those categories, you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want to rededicate your life to Him and draw a line. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.